Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. On and welcome back to the program. Ever since the hostilities cracked off between Israel and Hamas, there has been an outcry around the world from people who all of a sudden seem to care about what's going on. My question is, where have people been for all these years? And how come it's only this issue that they care about? Because if you cared about the Ummah overall, and if you cared about the well-being of Muslims, then you'd certainly be focused on what's going on in Afghanistan and Pakistan. But I guess if the brutality is meted out by other Muslims, it's okay. Today's article is from First Post and the headline, Pakistan's Brutal Expulsion of Afghans, The Unbearable Weight of Hypocrisy. This article was authored by Shrimoy Talkadar. The Muslim world is united in anger and condemnation of Israel, with anti-Semitism touching historic levels in the West, but another devastating tragedy involving forced displacement of millions of impoverished Afghanistan refugees in Pakistan is not even a mild prick in their collective conscience. I mean, is he wrong? Aren't the people from Afghanistan living under a brutal, theocratic regime? Isn't that what everybody's crying about over in Gaza? This raises questions over the sincerity of the outrage over Gaza. Is human rights universal, or is it application selective? Has Pakistan been spared scrutiny because it is an Islamic state? And that's the question you have to ask yourself. If you're out here going hard in the paint against Israel, look, I get it. Nobody wants to see what we're seeing happen in Gaza. That's absolutely horrifying. It's brutal. And I don't think any decent human being wants to see those kinds of images. But unfortunately, this is exactly what Hamas wanted. When they launched that attack on October 7th, they knew that the response would be massive. And what they were looking to do was to drum up support around the world. And I remember in the early stages after that attack, I had people emailing me talking about, oh, no, there was no atrocities happening in Israel, this, that, the other thing. Meanwhile, I had watched the videos myself from the Hamas fighters that they were posting on Telegram. So how are you going to sit here and try and gaslight me when I've watched the videos myself? And that is the exact reason why I watch those videos, even though they're absolutely brutal. That way I know for a fact, one way or the other, what's going on. I don't have to rely on somebody else then. What I need somebody to break down what I saw in the video of some Hamas terrorist kicking in a door and shooting a bunch of innocent civilians? That's not a freedom fighter. That's a bitch-ass terrorist who's a coward. You want some respect from me? Well, man up. Meet the IDF head-on and do your thing. 
I saw a video the other day of a Hamas fighter running up to an IDF tank and planting some kind of explosive on it. And let me tell you the kind of balls it takes to do that. My man ran straight up to that tank like it was Call of Duty or something, plants this bomb on it, books it back to his little hidey hole, picks up a rocket launcher, and gets busy. I have zero problem with any of that. This is war. This is what they're supposed to do. But when you have people who want to hide among civilians, wear civilian clothes, and act the fool, what do you think is going to happen? And furthermore, I think a lot of people need a history lesson about how brutal war is. Go take a look at what happened in Dresden. Take a look at what happened when America rolled into Europe. And with as brutal as war is, that's why I'm so against wars of aggression. But when you're fighting a war in defense of yourself or your homeland, the people you love, well, look, man, what do you expect people to do? And remember, we're talking about people, Hamas, whose charter says that Israel must be destroyed. From the valley to the sea, what do you think that means? And if you're out there chanting that, well, you're calling for the genocide of the Israeli people. And speaking of genocides, while we're at it, anybody have anything to say about what happened to the Greeks under Turkish rule? Anybody want to talk about Smyrna? Anybody want to talk about how Anatolia is all occupied land by the Turks? Is that a conversation we're ever going to have? Or are we just going to forget about that? Leftists and Muslims around the world are aghast as Israel intensifies its war against Hamas and flattens Gaza, the narrow strip where millions are locked with nowhere to go. It is being accused of genocide. Well, that's funny. I didn't see anybody getting out there and marching for the Yazidis when ISIS was engaging in a genocide against them. And furthermore, how are the Christian populations doing in these Muslim countries in the Levant? Anybody want to tell me what the Christian population in the nations in the region happens to be? Oh, I'm guessing not very many, right? I wonder why. Is it all because none of these Christians want to live in the Holy Land? You know, the land that their forefathers built that was taken and occupied at the tip of a sword when Islam came swarming out of the Arabian Peninsula? Because we can go all the way back in history. Every bit of land in this region has been taken by conquest. None of the inhabitants who are there now are the original inhabitants. So what is the basis here for that argument? Because if we're going to use arbitrary dates, we can go back in ancient history and we can do it until the cows come home. But genocide? Give me a break. Talk about hyperbole. You want genocide, folks. I just told you about a few. Go ahead and check in down in Darfur and see what the Janjawi did to the Christian population down there. You want to talk about a genocide, and it's relatively recent, but where's all the marching for it? Where's all of the people up in arms? Oh, it's no big deal, right? The October 7 massacre, the brutality and viciousness of which remains almost beyond the human capacity to process and digest, has already become a distant memory. As U.S. Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, said at a news conference in Tel Aviv on Friday, he called the amnesia shocking. I don't think it's amnesia. I don't think people care. There's a lot of people who believe what happened on October 7th was justified, and I am diametrically opposed to that line of thinking. There is no justification for what happened on October 7th, and I don't care what kind of nonsense you try and pitch my way. You want to attack those military bases? Have at it. You want to snatch a couple of IDF soldiers or whatever? Go for it. This is war. I get it. But the second you do what you did, and not only that, but film it for the world to see, you're not a freedom fighter. You're a terrorist. Israel's actions are no longer seen as retribution, 
but morally unjustified. Jews have been stripped of their right to seek justice, while Hamas terrorists remain hidden like rats underneath the labyrinthine tunnels of Gaza, where they are well stocked with weapons, food, fuel, and medicines. Meanwhile, the bombardment above is taking a terrible toll on civilians. It could all end. Why doesn't Hamas just come out, form up, and meet the IDF like an army? Oh, that's right, because they're cowards. They're going to hide. They're going to wear civilian clothes. They're going to set up their stupid little mortar areas at hospitals and UN areas. It's the same story year after year with these groups. And what's crazy to me is, even though over 30 Americans were killed and a bunch of Americans taken hostage, these groups aren't out here marching to have those people released, are they? Bodies are piling up, including that of children. And pressure is growing on Israel to agree to a ceasefire, if not abandon, the ground invasion. Since this does nothing to degrade Hamas and alleviate Israel's existential fear of being wiped off the face of the earth, an objective that Hamas sought to carry out on that fateful day and is promising to do so again and again until Israel is annihilated. Even now, Israel has vowed to carry on and has found itself at the receiving end of an extraordinary global backlash. No ceasefire in Gaza, no votes. Muslim Americans are telling Joe Biden ahead of the U.S. presidential elections in 2024. Well, do they plan to just sit it out then? Because whoever the Republican candidate is, you know that they're going to support Israel. So what are the, the Muslim voting bloc up here in Michigan and in the country going to do? Sit it out maybe, I guess. Turkish President Erdogan has said Hamas is not a terrorist organization, but a liberation group and called Israel a war criminal. Well, that's funny coming from him. Anybody want to talk about the brutal crackdown he's engaging in on fellow Muslims called the Kurds? No conversations there, huh? How about the fact that Turkey is illegally occupying Anatolia by the same rules that are being applied to Israel? If we use that same exact rule chart, then Turkey, well, they'd be occupiers as well. So does that mean that Greek separatist groups can sneak into homes in Turkey and Istanbul, or I guess I should call it Constantinople, in the middle of the night and cut people's throats? Is that cool? Because, you know, they're freedom fighters. So you can't have it both ways. If you think that Israel is occupying Gaza, then you have to believe that Turkey is occupying Greece. In Muslim-majority Dagestan, Russia, mobs are raiding airports in search of Jewish passengers. Photos of Israeli children kidnapped by Hamas are being ripped off lampposts and public spaces by anti-Israel protesters in the U.S. Now, can somebody please explain to me why you would do that? What did the kidnapped people have to do with anything? So they don't deserve to be rescued? They should be killed by Hamas because, you know, free Palestine or whatever? And it's wild. All the same people talking like this are all the same folks who are running around talking about Charlottesville like the Third Reich had appeared once again. Meanwhile, we have 1,400 Jewish people murdered in their beds, basically, and all of a sudden, we need to have a nuanced conversation. All of a sudden, there's good folks on both sides. Pretty interesting how that works. The UK has witnessed over 805 anti-Semitic incidents since the Hamas attacks, while attacks on schools and synagogues are being reported in Berlin. Jews are not safe, even on college campuses. They are being targeted in Harvard, receiving death threats at Columbia. While in Cornell, a student has threatened to stab and rape Jewish students and is now being prosecuted. I mean, for real? Where are all of the threats going the other way? Has anybody heard them? I haven't. 
Any Jewish groups going around and threatening people? I haven't seen them. Seems to me that the violence when it comes to these protests is a one-way street. The situation is so dire that FBI Chief Christopher Wray told a U.S. Senate panel on Tuesday that although Jews make up only about 2.4% of the American population, they're at the receiving end of about 60% of all religious-based hate crimes. The Jewish community is targeted by terrorists really across the spectrum, he said during his testimony. This Jew hatred is being justified on grounds that they are oppressors and Muslims are the oppressed. The victim can only punch up. And ironically, Pakistan, which is executing one of the biggest mass deportations of an ethnic group in history, forcefully evicting around 1.7 million Afghan refugees after labeling them as aliens, has been at the forefront of the Muslim world's outrage against Israel. From cities to the street, Pakistan are burning in righteous indignation at the violence fellow Muslims are being subject to in Gaza. So it's apparent of what the real problem is here. And it's not that Muslims are being oppressed. It's that the wrong group of people are doing the oppressing. Political parties are rallying thousands of supporters and urging all Muslim nations to unite against Israel for the sake of humanity. One Pakistani senator has gained notoriety by sharing a photo of Adolf Hitler on social media, suggesting that the world now knows why Hitler did what he did by murdering millions of Jews. And for my money, literally, I don't want to give Pakistan one single dollar in aid ever again. I've had my fill of Pakistan. You want to talk about countries that don't like America? Well, that's one of them. Let's repurpose all that money we were going to give them into social issues. Let's give it to people with addiction problems. Because obviously they can get on without us, right? For all the sanctimony, it's curious that Pax Islamica is breaking down in the very place where the outrage against Jews is at the loudest. The Islamic regime in Pakistan is beating its breast over growing humanitarian crisis in Gaza, while at the same time causing an equally grave humanitarian crisis in its own land. In both cases, the victims are Muslims. However, while Pakistanis are taking out daily processions in favor of Gazans, they have nothing but unbridled contempt for the Afghan refugees, many of whom have been living for generations and know Pakistan as their only home. You want to talk about hypocrisy and you want to see why it's so gross and disgusting? This is it. The hypocrisy is so thick, it can be cut with a knife. From Islamabad to Karachi, millions of penniless Afghans, along with their families, are being forcibly uprooted from the homes that they had built over generations and almost overnight forced to live under makeshift tents in the rocky, mountainous regions of Torkham a border crossing about to enter a land that is foreign to them. Journalists are reporting of indescribable human suffering. But no big deal. No protests here in America. No college campuses up in arms. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Suleiman Hakimi, who visited Torkham, 
a Pakistani town on the border with Afghanistan, reports of tens of thousands of Afghans expelled from Pakistan, cramping up at the displaced persons camp, about to join 20,000 other people spending the night here in these mountains, many of them sleeping rough in the open air, not knowing where to go next. So Pakistan has all this time, all this energy to go hard in the paint for people in Gaza, but they can't even take care of their Muslim neighbors from Afghanistan who have been living there for all these years? Yeah, okay, I think that your motivations are pure. From Islamabad to Karachi, thousands and thousands of refugees deemed unregistered foreigners are making an exodus, faced with the Pakistani caretaker government's draconian ultimatum that those leaving the country voluntarily on or before the October 31st deadline, Wednesday, would have lesser difficulties than those now by the state and may face imprisonment or forced deportation. Reuters reports that more than 24,000 Afghans crossed northwestern Torkham into Afghanistan on Wednesday alone, while many more are waiting for clearance. Altogether, 128,000 Afghans have left through the crossing since the Pakistani government issued its directive, says the news agency, while many more are crossing the border at Shaman in Balakistan province. What has been surprising is the brutality of the crackdown and the harsh rhetoric, indicating that the hapless Afghan refugees are paying the price for the breakdown in Pakistan's relationship with the ruling Taliban, who haven't been the pliable puppets Pakistani military was hoping for after years of nurturing and financing the militia. That's called having your chickens come home to roost. And that's what we see with the TPP, the Pakistani Taliban, that has been going hard in the paint against the Pakistani government. The Guardian newspaper quotes Pakistan's acting interior minister, Safraz Bugti, as saying that there will be no compromise against illegal refugees. We have the data on who are staying illegally in Pakistan, and we are going door to door, and we have done geofencing. We will detain and deport them. He vowed to put terrified people in every available transport and track them to ensure they did not return. Huh. Sounds like a whole group of people are being forcibly removed from a country. No outrage? No protests? No tearing down of signs? I wonder why. This level of animosity for fellow Muslims who have been living in Pakistan for decades and have made this land their home since arrival in several waves, starting from Soviet invasion of Afghanistan, indicates that pan-Islamic brotherhood kicks in only when Muslims are seen to be victimized by Hindus or Jews. The street protests, demonstrations, media campaigns in the street of the Muslim world or the West are conspicuously missing. The expatriates who wasted no time in blaming Israel, even as Hamas terrorists were carrying out their massacre, have suddenly lost their voice or appetite to stand with the millions of Afghans whom Pakistan is forcefully expelling and vowing to persecute. Well, we'll continue to stand with Afghanistan on this podcast like I've been doing for years now. Pakistan is claiming that only the undocumented are being asked to leave, not legal residents, and that the decision is in exercise of Pakistan's sovereign domestic laws and compliant with applicable international norms and principles. However, several reports quoting departing Afghans belie such claims. Abdullah tells BBC that he has been targeted despite having an Afghan citizen card 
an ID issued by the Pakistani government. He brandishes a plastic wallet and shows the cards for his entire family of 22. According to Pakistani government's own website, this counts as an official document. The desolate, elderly man, who said 20 of his family members were born in Pakistan, says despite this, the police raided his house and arrested his sons. Mir Aga, a 23-year-old, now residing in a refugee camp, told The Guardian that I was born and raised in Pakistan. All my siblings were born here. We had proof of refugee cards given by the UNHCR, but they were scissored by the police after they arrested us. Pakistan's claim that its draconian policy is rooted in international law, despite evidence that it is being indiscriminate and vengeful, and Western media's parroting of Pakistan's narrative is darkly comical. Consider the global outcry when India brought the Citizenship Amendment Act. The UN Human Rights Office had termed it discriminatory. From Pakistan to the West, India's attempt to detect undocumented immigrants through National Registrar of Citizens and fast-track citizenship to accommodate minorities who face religious persecution in their own nations were described as apocalyptic terms. Muslims or foreigners? Bellowed the New York Times, while BBC asked, what next for the 1.9 million stateless Indians? See where this is all going, right? And it's a good point. As somebody who follows this all the time, there is no doubt a lean, and this issue really shines a light on it. This divergent treatment is owing to the fact that leftists and liberals worldwide have ended up becoming cheerleaders for militant Islam. This has been starkly noticeable since the October 7th attacks when media and the academia, far-left bastions in the West, not only justified Hamas's gruesome slaughtering of Israeli civilians, but worse, were found exalting and celebrating mass murder, raping of women, and beheading of kids as acts of liberation. And I remember getting emails too. There was nobody who was raped. Oh, that's just a, a, a fallacy. Talk about not understanding how this works. That is one of the tools that's used by people like Hamas to sow seeds of intimidation. They'll rape your wife in front of you so you'll be more compliant. It is frightfully easy for Pakistan, the torchbearer of radical Islamism, to get away with almost anything. After all, it has gotten away with one of the worst genocides in human history. The 1971 Bengali Hindu genocide started with the Yaha Khan-led Pakistan Army initiation of Operation Searchlight on March 25, 1971. The carnage against the ethnic Bengali and Hindu communities in East Pakistan, now Bangladesh, lasted eight months, two weeks, and six days, according to Harvard International Review. And though estimates vary, nearly three million people were killed and at least 200,000 women were raped, according to an assessment by Hindu American Foundation. Yeah, it's not a tool used by Islamists. It's not a tool used by these militants. Some experts say the report put the number closer to 400,000 women and girls who were raped, mass raped, and imprisoned for months in notorious rape camps. The tragedy caused the forced displacement of 10 million, mostly Hindu, Bengalis by November 1971 who escaped to India. Harun Habib, a Bangladesh liberation war veteran and researcher in his essay, in Frontline on the 1971 Genocide, quotes British physician Dr. Jeffrey Davis, who worked in Bangladesh on the World Health Organization's request. 
that the commonly cited figures of killings and rapes were very conservative. Compared with the real numbers, rape was indeed carried out in a systematic way with the aim to change the race of Bengalis. So for those of you who aren't paying attention, for those of you in the back who might not think that this is something they use, wise up, okay? This is a tool. It's an intimidation tactic, and it's certainly something in their toolbox. In measure of the travesty of history, a genocide of such magnitude has not been recognized by the UN, writes Habib. Neither have the rapes perpetrated by Pakistani soldiers. What's more, despite committing a massacre where an average of 6,000 to 12,000 people were killed every single day, the highest daily average in the history of genocides, even after 50 years, Pakistan has not apologized to Bangladesh for the crimes committed by its army. Also, it has not tried the 195 war criminals identified by Bangladesh in 1972, writes Habib. Yeah, but tell me a little bit more about what's going on in Gaza, Pakistan. I mean, for real, the hypocrisy here is just too much for me to deal with. For a country that has committed such a heinous crime, Pakistan suffers from a collective amnesia over the incident. Perhaps because, on the little Richter scale of hypocrisy, its own atrocities leave no wave amplitude. It is pushing millions of Afghan refugees to an uncertain future in a country ravaged by economic sanctions and natural calamities where 15.3 million people already face acute food insecurity and the country as a whole faces an unprecedented humanitarian crisis with a very real risk of systemic collapse and human catastrophe. One wonders where are the global conscious keepers who were resigning from the United Nations or planning mutiny inside the U.S. State Department. Perhaps there are no headlines to be made from backing the destitute Afghans whom no one seemingly cares about. And that's really the gist of it. There's no political gain here, so nobody cares. So my question is, for all the people out there that are going hard in the paint about what's happening in Gaza, when are you going to show the same kind of energy? When are you going to show the same kind of compassion for the Afghan people? Because I would think that if anybody deserves some compassion, if anybody deserves some empathy, it's certainly the Afghans. All right, folks, that's going to do it for this one. All of the information that goes with this episode can be found in the description box.